right, there we go. So the first thing to say about that fear that you have is we're going to start separating that fear itself from the thoughts that are associated with the fear. And so we have to look at the fear itself first to recognize that uh, fear is an instinctual reaction. We all have fear. And that um, the fear that we have, our instinct of self-preservation, of keeping us alive, that fear mechanism has, uh, has allowed the human species to survive, not just an individual, but a species in general, or in fact, any particular species is able to survive because of the inbred instinct of, of uh, self-preservation. However, the environment that humans grew up in as humans that lasted, say, a million years ago to maybe 40 or 50,000 years ago, that period of time was really dangerous. And we really needed an active self-preservation instinct to keep us alive. But now we have a modern society. Things are very safe, relatively safe. So right now, in fact, I would go so far as to say, since the last time you, that you call me, you have not actually been in any real imminent danger. <laughs> no one has come at no. night. No one has shot an arrow that missed right past your ear. No one is screaming at the top of their lungs while running at you as hard and as fast as they can with an axe in their hand. Have you been inside my head? <laughs> Uh, it's a bit like <laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> okay, so the reality is is that you're safe. The reality is is that there is no danger much. You're in a very safe environment. So all of the fear that you deal with is coming from inside your head. Exactly. That's an important point for you to understand that almost all of your fear that comes up is a vestige of the past. It's a vestige basically of your of your childhood. That children who spend a lot of time in fear for whatever reason will wind up in their adulthood spending their time in fear. Oh, oh here it is. You don't have to be afraid, Devin. And you can continue to tell yourself that, that you don't have to be afraid. That whenever you recognize the fear as a fear, you can treat it the same way that we treat any other kind of hindrance. Because that's all it is, it's just a hindrance. And what? why do we call it a hindrance? We call it a hindrance because it hinders you from feeling the way you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do we deal with fear? The first thing that we can say is, aha, I see the fear. Because when we say, I see the fear, that means it's no longer I am afraid or I am overwhelmed with fear, but rather merely I can see the fear. That you are not the fear. The fear is a mechanism that's coming out of an ancient part of the brain But the part of the brain that says, I am afraid, is not that same part of the brain that generates the fear. 
So we need to have a different kind of language for that higher part of the brain that sees the fear. And instead of saying, I am afraid, and then go and having the thoughts about why I'm afraid. And just recognize fear for fear. Okay, the thoughts about the fear are um, the kind of punishment that you put yourself through because you're not dealing with the fear itself directly. Now, this is true for every hindrance. This is true for every feeling. Every feeling that we have will control us because that was the job for a million years or more. So an individual human in the really, really old days would be fearful because there were real fears and he would either choose to flee or to fight. And that gives rise to the energy of anger to be able to, to defend oneself or to flee. But we're not in that situation anymore. That's part of what the problem is. If you had a real danger and you knew what that danger was, you would be able to do something about it. All right? If someone was coming after you with a knife, you would turn around and run. Or you might yell for help. But the reality is there's no one actually coming after you with a knife, but you still feel like someone's coming after you with a knife. Yeah, I mean, that's that whole when you said you would know what to do. I mean, that that's a very frustrating thought that I have. It's like, I know what to do. Why aren't I doing it? I'm sorry, what? It's a very frustrating thought that I have. You know, I know what to do. Why aren't I doing it? Um, and again, it's that built up. Oh, I might fail and, you know, it's just easier to just avoid it. Um, which I can completely see through, and yet not at all sometimes, so. <laughs> all right. Well, the first thing that we need to do is to wake up to see the fear. Now, one of the things that I wanted to point out to you, because um, I begin to see this in many students, um, is that we don't wake up fully. We wake up only a little bit, but our sati is not a strong sati. That's part of the reason why it needs to be developed, is to develop it to be strong sati that also comes frequently. If it's very weak sati or if it doesn't come often, then it's not doing us the kind of service that we want to put it into. So let me give you an example of that. Whenever people wake up in the morning, and it's probably true for you also. When you first wake up, you don't get out of bed. When you first wake up, uh, it may be because the alarm went off, and so you, all you'll have is the energy to hit the snooze alarm. And then you'll let it go for another five minutes, and then later we'll have enough uh, wakefulness that we can actually get out of bed. Okay? How soon can we get that wakefulness up from I wake up in the morning and I'm still laying in bed into I'm waking up enough now to actually get out of bed? We want to use that kind of analogy for our own meditation practice also. 
because a lot of students will wake up, but they don't wake up fully. They'll only wake up to see that the, uh, they'll see the dukkha, but they don't see it as dukkha. They see it as just fear of the mind or whatever like that. They don't recognize that this stuff is, is, is painful. This stuff is dangerous. Being in a state of fear when there's no reason to be afraid <clears throat> is a horrible place to put people in. I mean, this is what um, why they build prisons and stuff, is to punish people for what they've done wrong. So here you are in a way of punishing yourself for perhaps things that you didn't get over when you were a kid, and you're still punishing yourself for it. And so you're afraid of retribution. You're afraid of what are you doing wrong, okay? And that generally the way that people deal with fear is trying to find out what they can do to get rid of the fear, right? We're going to be working with fear completely differently. We're not going to try to do something to get rid of the fear. We're going to work with the fear directly. Okay. Okay. How are we going to look at the fear directly then? We're going to be, first off, we've got to wake up enough to see the fear directly as a form of... Um, dukkha, a form of hotness, a form of, I don't need to feel this way right now, nor do I want to feel this way right now, that the fear itself is something that we're going to work with. And to now that you can wake up enough to see the fear, you'll also wake up to all of the thoughts that you would normally associate with that fear, which you just went over a bit before we started talking. You know the kind of thoughts that come when there is fear. The kind of thoughts, though, that we need to see, and before I say that, I want to say this way, and, and that is, is that we generally talk ourselves with our thoughts into and out of feelings. Okay, that you had at one time talked yourself into being afraid and now fear is a method of operation. And that you will say things to yourself and then the fears will come and now the fear is big. The point that I'm making is, is that you can think your way into fear, you can think your way back out of it. That's an important point. We, the, there is a connection between our thoughts and our feelings. We're an integrated whole. The thoughts that we have affect our feelings. The feelings we have affect our thoughts. I can give many examples of that. One of my favorites is um, the 1972 chess match, world champion chess match between Boris Spassky and, and Bobby Fischer. Now, Bobby Fischer was a world-class chess player, but he was not a world champion. Spassky was a world champion. But Fischer used psychological operations on uh, Spassky to win that championship, and everybody was there watching this uh, aghast as to what he was doing. One of the things that he would do is there's a rule in chess that if you touch a piece, you've got to move it. 
So Bobby Fisher would put his hand around that piece of uh, chess piece and just hold it and hover it. He wouldn't actually touch it, but everybody in the audience, the judges and Spassky would all figure that he was going to move that piece because he had his hand hovering around it. Well, while he was handling his hand hovering around that piece, he was looking around the board for what he was actually going to do. So then he would go and move another piece, and that would completely just confuse Spassky because now he's planning on all the moves he can make in, uh, in response to the piece that, the, that uh, Bobby was going to make. But worse than that, Bobby Fisher pulled with Spassky the same tricks that Donald Trump pulled with um, um, Hillary Clinton in the, in the debate, that Spassky... While he was watching the chessboard, he would find uh, uh, Bobby Fischer right over his shoulder. That after Bobby would move, he would stand up, he would walk around the stage and come back behind uh, Spassky just to set him off. Huh. And he did. Okay, we, uh, we can be controlled psychologically like, like that by other people hovering or uh, intimidating us and things like that. And uh, this actually caused Spassky to lose the tournament. Not because he was a bad chess player relative to Bobby Fischer, but because Bobby Fischer used other things to make that brilliant mind of that chess player of Spassky go bonkers. Yeah. So that he couldn't play chess, right? That's the kind of connection that humans have, and I can give you dozens and dozens of examples. One of them is, is that in debates, you cannot make ad hominem attacks because if you can upset your opponent, you can get him off track. And so by insulting him directly, like you don't even know what you're talking about is, is enough to, for the judge to ring the bell saying, no, you can't say that. Because now the guy will try to defend that he does know the topic rather than merely covering the topic. Okay, so I want you to make sure that you understand that you do have control over your feeling systems with the thoughts that you have, just like I've demonstrated two issues of how that happens, that the thoughts got the feelings stirred up and then the feelings themselves that got stirred up now prevented the kind of thoughts that we originally wanted to have. You see that, how that, this is called samsara. This is that circle in the mind. And you're going to find a way of interrupting that by uh, using the power that you do have. Right now, you don't have the power directly to change the way that you feel. If you're in the state of fear, there's nothing you can do directly to get out of that state of fear. But you can already, because of the practice that you've had, you're beginning to learn to control your breathing. And so that's the first thing to do is to start deep, deep breathing, nice, slow, long in and out breaths. And you can also tell yourself things. In other words, you can begin to control the thoughts by saying, really, there's nothing to be afraid of. And really, I like the fact that I can see that fear it's an old friend. It saved my life many times, but now it's like a barking dog when there's nobody in the yard. Like that? 
okay? False alarm, a false positive. Most of our fears now are false positives. Sometimes they're real. Sometimes they'll save your life. But by and large, they're generally false positives. So the first thing we need to do, and that may be the very easiest thing to do, is to wake up to recognize that you're safe. Here you are sitting on the floor or in a chair in a, in a, really, in a relatively or actually quite safe environment in a quite safe city, and yet you're feeling afraid. Right? So now we say, what are we going to do about it? We can tell ourselves we, there is no reason to be afraid. We can actually use these, the words that we use along with our breathing by saying something like, as I breathe in, I breathe in joy. And as I breathe out, I breathe out and relax the fear and let it go. And as I breathe in, I breathe in nice, clean, fresh air that is safe. And now I breathe out, I breathe out the old fear. And so these are the kinds of things you can do. You can talk to yourself by, uh, by being able, one, to control the breath, and number two, to be able to control your thoughts and have the thoughts you want to have. That will help you learn to how to control your feelings. For instance, you can say, I'm really glad that I can deal with fear directly. And now you're having happy thoughts. Start to have happy thoughts about the fear. Because why? Because what has been always your choice? Your choice has always been when that fear comes is to have thoughts of doubt. Yes. Thoughts of doubt. Am I doing it right? What's wrong with the situation? The answer is nothing wrong. And so now that you've practiced through what you would call a really good period and you've gotten some really good practice and experience and you know that this path works, now that things are kind of low and bummed out, now is the time to take that proof that you've already got that this path works and really put the kind of right effort into it that you need to put in. This is not a no effort show. This is effort. The Buddha put up right effort on the Eightfold Path intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the Mahasi method doesn't have a lot of effort built into the path. They ask you to sit there and note. But basically what happens is, is that um, they don't take enough effort to fully wake up. And because of that, they see what's going on, but they don't see it as the reality of the situation as this is dukkha. Fear is dukkha. Okay, and why? Because if we've had that kind of feeling on a repetitive basis over the years, and we've kind of gotten used to it, we don't see it as dukkha. But now if you fully wake up, you can recognize that's fear. And I do not need this fear right now. But that, that is a hindrance that prevents me from being the Devon that I know I can be. 
that in fact this fear that you're talking about has probably been doing a whole lot of stuff running your life for quite a number of years. Take time. It may be, in fact, that what's happening right now is you're actually digging down to <clears throat> the real base problem. Yeah, I think so. And that you were running away from that problem and gotten yourself all messed up with drugs and rehabs and all of that kind of stuff because you were running away from this fear. But now is the time to turn around and face it. To look at it directly. And to talk yourself out of it. Aha, I see you, fear. And I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to relax. And I'm going to take another deep breath and I'm going to relax again because I know that there is nothing dangerous. There is no Bobby Fisher hanging over my shoulder. There is no Donald Trump uh, stalking me while I'm trying to give a public talk. <laughs> there are no people coming after me with knives, guns, weapons, or anger. Okay, this is the way to begin to talk to ourselves because your only other option is what you've been doing. Yeah, on and on and on. Yeah. Now, if you uh, if you'll notice, this is actually the practice of Anapanasati in its basic form, but we're using it a little bit deeper now. That in the beginning, we had the idea that when the mind wandered away from the breath, that whenever it wandered away from the breath, that was enough to call that stuff hindrance. But now that you're beginning to do the investigation, you're beginning to dig down and you're beginning to uncover this fear, and it is nasty stuff. And you're beginning to see how nasty it really is, that it's been driving your life causing you to make all kinds of bad decisions by trying to get rid of this fear, by thinking about what can I do on the outside to make myself feel better? Like, can I take some drugs or can I go to rehab or can I do this or can I do that? So congratulations, Devin, you're getting down to one of the most basic issues that humans have. And that is learning to deal with your fear. Because that is the primary instinctual feeling. That's the basic one. All of the other instincts um, come out of that basic survival instinct. Our materialism. The reason why we want material objects is because those material objects makes us feel safe. It wasn't even... Uh, I would say possibly um, in some places 200 years ago, in other places only 100 years ago, and in some places not even currently. But for 200 years ago, every place all over Europe and all over the United States, everyone walked around armed. They either carried, when they had swords, they either carried a dagger or a knife or a sword. And then when guns came, they started carrying guns around. 
but it took them a long time to convert from gun, from swords to guns. Okay, so the point is, is that humans have been afraid of each other and armed for literally centuries. Perhaps the first thing that happened was, is that uh, beating the marrow out of the bone of some uh, dead carcass that the uh, predators left, this human decided that this stone that he's using to break these um, uh, uh, bones up to get the marrow out is a really excellent tool to do this. And so he keeps that stone. Maybe fast forward a couple of hundred years or a thousand years, and now somebody's going to strap a stick to that stone and make an axe. Okay, and people have been carrying axes around ever since. Some of them call them cell phones. Others call them cars. But we all hold material objects to make us feel safe in an unsecure environment. But now the environment is completely mental because we have, as a society, made our system fairly safe, not completely safe. In fact, uh, there's a lot going on now to prove that there are still areas where there, where there is no safety. And we could deal with that. But the fact is, is that you are already in a safe place. If you were coming to tell me about fear and you were actually in a dangerous situation, then we could deal with the dangerous situation. But the fact is, you're not in a dangerous situation physically. You're in a dangerous situation mentally only. And you talk yourself into that, and you can talk yourself back out of it. This is Anapanasati. And this is why we don't want to go all the way into a no-mind state or a thoughtless state. We really do want to continue to keep the thoughts working and operating. We want that part of the brain to work. But we want to operate it so that it's working to our benefit, not to our detriment. Right? And so normally when you feel afraid, you go into doubt. You become mentally afraid as well as physically afraid, and all of that goes. Now the job is, when you feel afraid, to know it, to wake up to it. That in fact, while you're sitting quietly with no place to go, you sit down for a practice of meditation or 10 or 15 minutes. <clears throat> you can begin to uh, check that out to see how, what level of fear is there right now. Mm-hmm. Or what level of anxiety? Then you can start asking your questions about, well, where is it? Is it in the body? Can I notice it? Can I find out where it is? Okay. So all along while we're doing this, we've done something quite different than normal. We've separated ourselves from the fear. I am not the fear. I'm actually now chasing the fear. I'm going to go find out where it is. So this means now at that level, even though the fear still may be there, you are not being grabbed by it. Mm -hmm. Notice the way that I've got my hand here. Okay, if this is whatever me there is, and this is the fear, this is the way that people live with their fear. That's why they can say, I am afraid. I am completely consumed by fear, right? I am the fear until sati comes. 
wakey-wakey. And the first level of wakey-wakey is look at this and see this. But the higher wakey-wakey is, I see you. I see you. We come out of it. Aha. Uh -huh. I see you, Myra. Aha. Uh -huh. I see you, fear. And we come out of it. Now that we come out of it, we can point to it. We can see it. We can, uh, by doing that, we disassociate ourselves from the fear. I am not the fear. Now, the fear hasn't gone away. It's still possibly as big as it was. But when we have the kind of thoughts and feelings, I am the fear, I am afraid, that's when all those thoughts of doubt and frustration and uh, a feeling of failure and I was doing everything well and now look what's happened and now I'm falling. You know, it's like I was climbing a, 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 a tall hill and, or uh, maybe rock climbing and I fell off. No, you haven't. You haven't fallen off at all. You're just having thoughts that while you're um, hanging on that ledge that you've fallen. Okay, but you are not the fear. The fear is there. It's an old mechanism. It's coming out of a primitive thought part of the brain. But you are not afraid. Aha, I see you fear as something external to who I am. And the fear is the normal way that we look at it. And then we begin to not like ourselves and other things. But when you begin to recognize you are not the fear, the fear is coming out of a primitive part of the brain, and it's an old mechanism, and it's pretty stupid. And it's a mechanism that's throwing out too many false positives. And those false positives are often triggered by thoughts that were the old kind of thoughts. So the old kind of thoughts are going to trigger this fear, and you may not be sharp enough with your uh, sati to recognize the kind of thoughts that trigger the fear, but you will. Right now, let's deal directly with the fear. And directly with the fear is to locate it. Is it in the chest? Is it in my hands? Is it in the neck? Is it a deep-seeking feeling in my belly? Whatever it is, I'm going to start breathing deeply, thinking and looking at that part of the body and see if we can start to mani manipulate and maneuver those physical sensations. That, that, that's actually, that could really work. I, I've meditated um, with, um, you know, I've had, had the instructions on on physical pain to uh you know just dive right into the physical pain pay all your attention to the pain and and had that experience of having the physical pain but having my mind just be clear and bubbly you know um so that um yeah because so much of what's uncomfortable is that that for me it's it's a, a you know, the tension, the, the anxious feeling. And uh, um, even even then, if I can just track down all the physical components, it almost falls apart. That's a, an interesting. Mm. Okay. 
So this is the way that you would practice. And surprisingly enough, it's the same practice, except that now we're paying a little bit more detailed attention to the hindrances and the various forms and kind of hindrances there are. Normally, hindrances come up in the forms of, of just thought, and sometimes they come up in the form of actual feelings. Sometimes these feelings don't need much of a trigger to get shot off. We don't know, in fact, sometimes why things come, but sometimes we do. For instance, when the laptop dies, that's the time to be alert. Yeah. Um, 15 minutes. Okay, well, I think that we've pretty well gotten down to the point that uh, these feelings will come up, and we may not know where they come from, but we do have the ability to wake up strongly to recognize, I don't need to feel this fear right now. I can feel other ways, and I can talk to myself about that. Aha, I see you, fear is the first thing that we would come up with. Boy, I am glad I can see that fear. Let's see if we can chase it down. Let's see if we can manipulate it. Let's see if we can make it move around in the body. Let's use the breath and controlling the breath and also thinking about the fear that now the fear is merely a sensation in the body. That's an important point. Now it's no longer an emotion. It's just a sensation in the body. And we're already learning to control the breathing. And we're already learning to control the mind. And so there's a way now for you to begin to uh, become satisfied that you can catch this fear and investigate it. So now we're beginning to get comfortable because the and the other way was is to be locked in it, struggling in it, and uncomfortable in it. Mm-hmm. Now that we see it, we've got some command over it. And I am not the fear. It does not own me. It does not take over. Nor do I have to struggle to find ways to get out of it. I can just say, I see you. I see you, fear. Let me take a deep breath. Let me think about what's going on in the body. Let me take an investigation and check it out. And you'll begin to see that you can, in fact, become boss of this fear. In a way, you can see it. uh, I use the analogy with the dogs. That sometimes the dog will go out in the yard because of territorial instincts. And they'll just bark and bark. It may be another dog that comes in or some person comes in. And so naturally when the dog is barking, um, someone in the house, probably me, I'll look out and I'll see what the dogs are barking at. If they are barking at someone I don't know, I just leave them alone to bark. Let the situation take care of itself. But if it's a friend coming... Then I'll call the dogs off, right? And I generally will do that with just one or two words. They're pretty smart now. They've gotten it uh, down that when I say it's okay, because I'm the alpha male. I play the the male the alpha um, of the pack with them, and they respond that way. So we can begin to do that within our own mind too. That when that fear comes up, that's like a barking dog. 
Let's check to see, is there anything real danger here? That may not take even a second to do that. No, there's no danger. There's no one sneaking up behind me. And I know that if I'm sitting against a wall. <laughs> and so that doesn't take very long. So we can get our recognized, no, there's nobody in the yard. No, there's no danger. That means that the fear is inappropriate, which means it's just old, which means now we're going to deal with that feeling and sensation directly by saying nothing to fear. Aha, I see you fear, and there's no reason to have any fear. I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to come back to a nice state of homeostasis. And you practice that every time that you uh, wake up every to that fear. And pretty soon you'll be able to master it completely. I can see it. I'll sure you can. I know you can. And, it's, and if you look at it that way, it's the same practice we've been practicing all along. Yeah. Yep. We're just we're just operating on it with a little bit deeper thing. Before in the beginning, we were operating on can I just watch the breath? Can I just take deep breaths? Now we're beginning to work at it at, at one of the most deepest level of all. Can I manage fear when there's nothing to be afraid of? Because it just happened, it's a good example to use. Two days ago, the laptop died. Guess what? It wasn't me that died. <laughs> it was just a laptop. Yeah. But a lot of people, if they've got a laptop and it dies, they'll go into some sort of uh, conniption fits. They're a great deal of fear. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Oh, I've got work to do. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. Oh, it's going to be expensive to buy another one. And you can name 10,000 different bad feelings somebody can have. But if they're meditators and they wake up and we can say, aha, I see you. It was the laptop that died, not me. I didn't die. I'm okay. Yeah. And so we can we can like that. Oh, that's fear. But that but I am not in danger. Because you're really not in danger. You know you're not in danger. There's no argument about are you really physically in danger or not. Yeah. So that means that the fear is inappropriate. Yeah. It's just an old habit that you talked yourself into and you can talk yourself back out of it. And let us hope that it doesn't take you as long to talk you out and talk yourself out of it as it did to talk yourself into it. Because it took you years to talk yourself into it. <laughs> One of the things that I might have not mentioned to you is that when we are little children, all little children spend a great deal of time in joy. We play with our toys, we dance, we sing, we run around. We're really curious little critters until the adults come in the room. And then they say, clean your toys, clean your room, do your ABCs, do your one through threes, do your homework. It doesn't matter whether you like doing it or not. Just do it. And if you don't, I'm going to beat the whatever out of you. And now that's the beginning of the fear. It's because we're threatened. We're intimidated. 
to do what we're told to do. Every child has this, which means that every child grows up as to adult with a whole lot of false positives about fear. That's one of the reasons why politicians are able to control people is by controlling this kind of fear and get them afraid. Oh, that party over there is really dangerous. It's got black people or it's got gays or it's got something in it in over there and that makes that party a really bad party. You better go vote for me. You can hear that, okay? You can hear it in the way that they talk about it. The politicians know how to manipulate these, these false positive fears that people have. Now, a lot of people can go around saying, oh, well, anyone who would follow Donald Trump, knowing what Donald Trump is now, has got to be at least as stupid and as ignorant as he is. But basically, it's got nothing to do with intelligence. It has to do with the emotional intelligence. These people are, in fact, run by their fear, and they're operated by their fear. They manipulate each other through their fear. And that you have been manipulated with your fear. But now you're going to start manipulating your fear yourself. Because you're not the one that's afraid anymore. You just see the fear as a part of the process that's going on. That's an important point to recognize. I am not the fear. I am not the anger. That was a laptop that died. I didn't die, okay? There's no me in there anywhere. You are not the fear. You're the one who watches the fear. You're the one who sees it. You're the one who, by seeing it and watching it, can learn to manipulate it. So that it does not manipulate you. I I can definitely uh, start uh, just making my meditations about fear. It won't be hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's going to be other things that do come up, but this is the primary uh, one to to work with, especially right now. There'll be other things later, but right now this is the issue. So let's deal with that one directly. Sounds like a plan. Let's hope you can call, or I got something else that I want to talk about, but I know that our, our time is, is limited. So give me another call when you can, and we'll continue on. I. Yeah, I, I look forward to it very much, um, hopefully sooner. Thank you very much. I'm glad to see you smiling, Devin. I'm really glad to see you. I, I like that. that uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> I, I note how long it takes to get the students to smile. And sometimes it takes them 10 or 15 minutes. But uh, the older students, once they've been around, they, they lighten up really easy. So let me ask you this as a parting point. Do you feel fear right now? Yes. Where is it? Uh, chest, stomach, head. Okay. Start to noting that. Start watching that parts of the body where you experience the fear. Begin to breathe into it. 
begin to recognize that in fact you might be able to change the location of that fear you might be if it's up high in the chest can you move it down to mid chest yeah i i, I can see it okay so good luck with this and i'll see you later thank you so much Glad to see you again, really. I'm so glad to see you again, Devin. Yeah, likewise. It's <laughs> it's funny. It, it was a, 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 a shitty few weeks, and it's like my sponsor was saying, have you been calling the monk? Maybe you should call the monk. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, I better return this laptop. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.